Good afternoon. Last, I think the last time I taught on the Holy Spirit, it was at Emmanuel, and we were in a room that you could only have 120 people in, and I thought that was perfect <laughs> for a session on the Holy Spirit. Uh, it is good to have you here. You know, um, life and ministry of the Holy Spirit, I love the Holy Spirit. Anyone else love the Holy Spirit in him? You know, if we're going to live this life... Um, with the Lord and walk the path we're on, we have to really understand who is the Holy Spirit and what is our part in, in knowing who he is and, and walking with him. But I, I want to start out with the first joke. I just got back from Israel. I was there. We were filming small group videos in Israel, and um, I got back Wednesday night about midnight, 1230. And so it's a quick, you know, turnaround into this and um, but when we were there, there was a joke that I shared with some of the guys, you know, what do you call someone who speaks two languages? Bilingual, right? What do you call someone who speaks three? What do you call someone who speaks one? An American. That's right. <laughs> what's funny is, what's funny is my daughter, who's now on our staff at Farmington, um, she was in school, this was when she was in school, and they asked her, um, how many languages do you speak? And she said three. And, and the teacher wanted to know what three languages she spoke, and she said, I speak English, I speak Pig Latin, and I speak in tongues. <laughs> Which I think is legitimate, because how many know that I'm not speaking any English in heaven, and I'm not speaking Pig Latin in heaven, I'm going to be speaking in tongues when I'm in heaven. It is truly the perfect language. So the Holy Spirit is God. In the beginning was God. You know, it says God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God, the Holy Spirit has a name, and his name is God. And I think, uh, and, and when we were in Israel... Even one of the guys says, you know, we, we believe in one God. How many believe in one God, right? And, and we have, we look at the Trinity and it's a mystery. And we look at how one God is three. And, and if you're Muslim, you're looking at us and saying, we believe in a monotheistic God, but you believe in three gods. You're not monotheistic. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God. Like when Jesus was on the planet, he was God in a bod. How many know that's true, right? Like they were looking into the eyes of God in a body. And so the presence of the Holy Spirit is extremely important in all of our lives as much as Jesus is important in our lives. Uh, John 1.3 says, Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, right? You can't see. We're talking about a kingdom that we cannot see, but we know it exists. You say, well, how do we know there's a kingdom? I don't necessarily see the kingdom, but I see the effects of the kingdom on people's lives, right? John 1, 5 goes on. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There's a difference. There's a shift. It's talking about three baptisms, baptism into the kingdom, baptism of salvation, the baptism into water, which is a baptism of obedience, and baptism in the spirit. You know, it's, it's interesting to me because 
we don't need to understand how salvation works to say, God, I want to invite you in my life, and he saves you. And, and, and baptism of water, if you've never been baptized in water, it is, it is a beginning. You say, why do I need to be baptized in water? Here, here's the very simple answer, because he said so. You say, well, I need to know why. I'm of a generation that needs to know why. What you're saying is, before I make a decision, I, and, and it, at the beginning of my life with Christ, I'm going to serve the Lord, but I'm not going to just do whatever he tells me to do. Baptism of water is saying, you know, from the beginning, I'm making a decision. I don't need to, ha I have to understand why I'm going to be baptized in water. I'm just going to do it because he said, because from this point forward, I'm going to obey God because he said, I don't need, I don't need to know why. I just need to know that he said to, right? It's, it's submitting to that truth. And then the baptism of the spirit is walking in this kingdom with the Holy Spirit, to say we don't need the Holy Spirit would be like the disciples saying we don't need Jesus. That we don't need him in, they didn't need him in their life. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Not every Christian walks in the Holy Spirit. Every, every believer has the Holy Spirit. They just don't necessarily. You know, Acts chapter 3. Jesus is now gone. The, the disciples in the, this first great miracle, they come up to the temple steps. And it's strange because even when I say that, I was just there. And they come up to the gate, beautiful, on the temple steps. And there's a lame man there. And, and Peter and John come up and they say the famous sentence uh, or the famous uh, a, a statement. What did they say? Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. This man was lame. The man had legs. He just wasn't walking. Like when you're born, you're born with legs, but you're not walking. You have to exercise and work at it to begin to walk. This man, there are two reasons why we don't walk in the spirit. One, something is out of order in our thinking, or we haven't yet learned to walk in the Spirit. Someone's discipling us to walk in the Spirit. You have legs. You have the Holy Spirit. You didn't get the Holy Spirit when you started behaving better. You didn't get the Holy Spirit after being saved for a long time. When you invited Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit came to reside and abide in you. Praise the Lord. You have legs. You may not just be walking with those legs. There are a whole lot of believers that have the Holy Spirit, but they're not walking in the Holy Spirit. They haven't yet learned. They haven't yet taken the step of faith to walk in the Spirit. The Spirit is in us. John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever. What another means, it's as though he were here. Jesus even makes the statement, it's better that I go away so that you receive the Holy Spirit. It's better for you because when the Holy Spirit comes, he will abide with you just as I was abiding with the disciples. I mean, if Jesus came through those doors and stood right here in this altar how many know everyone in this room, not only would this room be full, everyone in this room would not leave this room until that person, Jesus, prayed with them? Am I right? 
And yet, we will walk out of this room and not let anyone pray for us. And God says it's better that the spirit that is in the person who is standing there, whatever that prayer worker or any believer in here, that same spirit that was in Christ is in that person. And we don't believe that that will change anything. We're not convinced that the spirit living in us is the same spirit that was in Christ. And that the spirit that is upon us is the same spirit that was on Jesus. And it is that disorder or dysfunctional thinking in the body of Christ that prevents us from walking as Christ has asked us to walk. See, you have to repent. You have to change the way you think. God could care less, care less if you're sorry. He's more concerned by how you think. Are you thinking differently? That's what repentance is. Different thinking lives the different direction, walking differently. So the Holy Spirit is in us, and the Holy Spirit is on us. The Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. It was a promise. And in Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to what? Wait for the promise of the Father. It's a promise which God, how many believe God is not just a promise-making God, he's a promise-keeping God, right? You have to believe that. Which, he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, on the day of Pentecost. Cost, which is actually coming up. So you say, how is it that I am baptized in the Holy Spirit? And that's part of the problem. Because you get to choose. You get to say, yeah, I want to be, I'm going to choose salvation and I'm going to choose to be baptized in water. But in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon you. It's a waiting upon. Can I tell you, God is not holding out on you. That was the first sin. Man thought God was holding out on him. And he, God doesn't hold out on us. He has promised to come and rest. But we come and wait upon him. It's a pursuit of saying, God, I want this baptism. I had a neighbor in Michigan. And the neighbor in Michigan was a good Baptist. And nothing wrong with Baptists. Right? But he was. And we were talking. And I, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And I said, brother. I said, I don't need to argue with you about the Holy Spirit. Is it true that every good and perfect gift comes from above? He said, yes, that's what the word says. And I said, that's right, you got to hold to the word. So why not ask God to give you the Holy Spirit if it's from him? Just say, God, if the Holy Spirit's real, I don't want to miss it because someone told me it was the demonic. I want to experience the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and every good and perfect gift comes from above, don't let something you were taught prevent you from asking for everything God wants to give you. If it isn't from God, friend, you're not going to catch anything. Right? God will protect you from it. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I was in Michigan 15 years. I've now been in Minnesota 13. We're on our 13th year at Bethel's Rock. And when we were in Michigan, I mean, I've been, the Holy Spirit's been a big part of my life, the, my whole life. My dad's an evangelist. My grandfather was a pastor in the Assemblies of God in Wisconsin. I grew up there. That's right. I'm an owner of the Packers. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm moving to the Southern Session over here on 
women in ministry. And I'm going to do that one. <laughs> the day of judgment is nigh, right? <laughs> anyway, there's, there are a number of people when we were in Michigan. It was in St. Joe, Benton Harbor, Michigan, southwest corner of Michigan. And, and uh, we just saw a number of people getting saved every single Sunday. About 20, 25 people a week would get saved. It was just unreal what was happening. And we did small groups. And, and uh, one day a guy came into my office who had just recently been saved, who was living with this woman. Um, and, and by the way, I don't, I, I'm not the pastor that gets on people. They were living together. But I'm like, now that you're saved, you need to do it. I knew the Holy Spirit was going to do it when he was ready to do it, Right. And so he had been coming to church for three months, and they're sitting in the, and, and he came into my office, he said, I don't know, I think I'm demon-possessed. And I said, well, why do you think you're demon-possessed? He's like, because I had to tell you this story. He goes, I was in church on Sunday, and during worship, I had my hand raised, and I'm worshiping, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I started, like, stuff came out of my mouth. And I'm speaking this stuff out of my mouth, and I look at my girlfriend, and I'm like, speaking to her and she's like what's going on and he goes and pastor I know it's from the devil because it felt so good <laughs> because how many know that the world has sold people a bill of goods if it feels good it's got to be from the devil because there ain't nothing good in the kingdom of God if it's got to that's why we fast because if you don't feel bad you're not doing anything spiritually right I, I started laughing he goes it's not funny pastor I said, dude, you just got baptized in, and he's like, baptized in what? See, it, this, it was God's decision. He didn't even know what it was. We had a high school student not long after that, a high school teacher and a pharmacist. Literally come forward and we're praying for them, and they both start speaking in tongues and fall to the ground, and he gets up and he says, whoa, 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 this can't happen to me yet. I don't understand it. And I'm like, brother, there's a whole lot you're about to find out that you, know, you won't understand. See, if your mind, if your mind is going to control what the Spirit is trying to do, you will never experience God. Your mind isn't big enough to comprehend what your spirit comprehends. Hear what I just said. Your mind isn't big enough to understand what your spirit already knows. You all, when you got saved, the spirit living in you understands all things. It's your mind that does it. It's powerful. The, whole, the early church had a dependency on the Holy Spirit. Great communicators will change the way a person thinks. An anointed preacher will transform a life. King David we were just in the Valley of Elah. And King David, David had already been anointed king, but he didn't hold the position. When they were facing, the whole story of David and Goliath is not at all about Goliath. If you think David was an underdog, you don't, I cannot believe believers believe David was an underdog. That, that's like saying the Chicago Bulls were an underdog. Even though Jordan was on the team. Like, Dave, what did David tell Goliath? He said, you come at me with a shield and a sword and a spear? <laughs> That's all you got? 
I got the name of the Lord God Almighty and the armies of the Lord behind me. Believers don't believe David was an underdog. That story is not about David and Goliath. That story is about King David and Saul. Because when David, the armies of God were cowards because of the armies they were facing. Saul is hiding until the king showed up in the camp. He may have held the seat, but he did not hold the anointing. David was holding the anointing. And David showed up, and what happened? He went out and slayed Goliath, and the same army that was scared following Saul now charged out and attacked the Philistines. Friend, you better be following the anointing. Pastor Chogue said this, when I communicate good, there's different thinking, but still lots of problems in my church. When I preach from the Holy Spirit, a lot less issues in the church. He's from Korea, that's why it's English is that way. When you study the book of Acts, you will discover much how much they depended on the Holy Spirit. I want you to imagine for a moment. What would your family be like if you took one person out of your family? Your children, one child, your spouse, your parents, your, one of those that operate in your, what would it be like? And yet, in our life with Christ, how often do we acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit? There has to be an awareness that he is arguably the most important entity in our life right now. More than your spouse, more than your kids, more than your parents, more than your siblings. What seems to be common with them seems to be much more uncommon for us today. There is no Christianity without the operation of the Holy Spirit. There is none. There is none. Because you can't even get saved unless the Holy Spirit draw you. There is no Christianity without the operation of the Holy Spirit. You remove the Holy Spirit from Christianity, it'll very quickly turn into a very dry, monotonous, mundane religion. You know know what's interesting is uh, we we had an incredible service, which was common when we were in Michigan. It was an incredible service. And this young couple came up and they said, Pastor, we love this church. We love everything about it, the excitement. What we don't like is we just don't agree with the, the speaking in tongues thing. And I said, okay, then you need to find a different church. Because everything else you feel is because we speak in, it's because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I need to, it's not because we speak in tongues, it's because of the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. Christianity is more than knowledge, logic, and arguments. We've turned it into that. We've turned it into, I'm going to argue someone into the kingdom of God. It's more than that. Your argument is not going to save a soul. The Trinity expects that the church would have the same relationship with the Holy Spirit that Jesus had with his disciples. And if you're going to grow... And if you're going to change, and if your life is going to be transformed, you're going to need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting, I'm going to go through this really very quickly. It's only to give you some, some, a, a, a foundation of some kind. You know the feasts, there are three feasts in Israel. You know what they are, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. 
Peace, Feast of Passover talks about Passover, right? And, and we would say that we were, at, we were actually there in Israel at the end of Passover, and, and for, which isn't the time to go to Israel. I'll just say that right now. But, but we didn't know it was at the end of Passover until we got there, <laughs> and it was a mistake. But, uh, so we went north, and uh, Passover really refers to salvation, Okay? That, that, that the lamb passed over, which is, I, I, I could very easily get in a whole different message on just that right now. Because the, the death passes over us, and then the Israelites crossed over. Oh, I already feel me getting into that. I'm going to back away, okay? That's another sermon at another time. You, some of us need to cross over, right? So Passover talks about salvation. The Feast of Tabernacles declares the coming of the Messiah, the future coming of the Messiah. How many believe Jesus is coming back, right? Right? But Pentecost was a celebration of the law of God, not laws of man. And see, this is, that's a whole other thing that I could get into. But the laws of God had attachment of the law of man. Laws of man in the Israel culture, they had the law of God, which was remember the Sabbath, Right? But they added 38 other laws of man to that. And so we think they're all the same. And they're not. Can, can I just say, you need the laws of God in your life. Laws give order, not judgment. Christ paid the judgment of breaking the law. But you don't want to throw the whole thing out because laws, how, can you imagine what a country would look like with no laws? Well, we're on our way, kind of. We need law. It brings structure. But the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and rested on them. Now, how many believe that that which was celebrated at Passover is, has happened at salvation? Right? How many believe what's celebrated at the Feast of Tabernacles has taken, is going to take place and is returned, right? Then why do we have such a hard time with the Feast of Pentecost? Which means Pentecost is, woo, scary. Pentecost, it actually means 50. 50, I just turned 50, and it is scary. <laughs> that is a scary. My wife threw a party on my, why would you throw a party on your 50th birthday? I wanted to like mourn and to do dirges and all of those things. Uh, Acts 2, 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and we were actually standing in the place just on Tuesday where they say the upper room was. Suddenly a sound of the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested. Where? on them and all of them were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them the new testament this is the we are living in the new testament church and i know there are arguments that the baptism of the holy spirit is no longer necessary but i'm here to tell you it's not only necessary it's essential it's a lie of the devil to tell people they don't need the holy spirit the, the New Testament church is our present dispensation. We want to say something stopped and then, uh, no, it, we are the New Testament church. 
let me make a shift to the person of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a person. As Jesus was a person, he has a personality. He is God in a form to interact with us. Uh, the Holy Spirit is more than how he appears. And, and I want you just listen to this. If you, even if you close your eyes, just like, when, when, he, when he starts being oil, dove, fire, wind, manifestations, and attitude, and atmosphere, force, power, some kind of hot heat or a tingling feeling, we have completely mischaracterized who he is. The Holy Spirit can manifest himself like that, but he is none of those things. He can manifest in that way, but he is none of those things. You know, I brought up Michael Jordan. That's because I think he's better than LeBron. But Michael Jordan is not a dunk. He manifested himself. He manifested in doing things, but that's not who he was. The Holy Spirit's God, and he has a personality, and he does God things. Our pursuit for the power and miracles, and this is what happens. We have this pursuit of powers and miracles, and we think we have to go through the Holy Spirit to get them. We want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. We pursue the fruit of the Holy Spirit, just like the people pursue Jesus to have their bellies filled. The reality is, if you want to experience all of those things, here's, here's someone, because we when we were in Michigan, there were people from all over the country, actually, that would come there because of what was happening and uh, this, this pastor from Louisiana came up and he said, Pastor, how do we see more signs, wonders, and miracles? And I said, well, well what are you doing? He says, we're, we're fasting, we're praying, we're asking God to give us more signs, wonders. We want to see people saved. We want to see them delivered. We want to see, and we're not seeing any of it. And, and you're seeing it. And I said, here's your problem. I'm not going to pray that you see those things. I'm going to pray that you get to know the Holy Spirit. Do, do you know there's a story in uh, Genesis where God appears to Abraham and God comes to Abraham and he says Abraham I'm here happy birthday to you I'm here and Abraham goes great but what about the blessing Abraham, God's like but, I, but I'm here he says I know God but I want the blessing that's what the church has become that's what pastors have become. And we, and we think it's okay because what we're asking for, we think is holy. Did, have you forgotten? None of this is about power. This is all, always going to be about a relationship with the Father. It always, everything goes back to relationship with the Father. Everything, more than the signs, wonders, and miracles. And, and I'm like, until you fall in love with the Holy Ghost, you'll never see everything else. And even if you do, you'll miss the whole point. He's a person. He wants to be in relationship with you. The Holy Spirit wants a relationship with you. And when that happens, and that's what happened, when you pursue him and you talk to him as a person, and you, you know what Moses did, though? God came to him and said, Moses, 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 I can't show you my face, but I'll give you miracles. I'll give you blessings. I'll give you all those things. And Moses says, you know what, God? I could care less. Give them to, give them to Joshua. I, I, I don't need to see that. Anymore. I want to see you. you got to come to the place 
Am I in love with the signs, wonders, and miracles, or am I in love with the person of God? And, and you say, well, I am in love with God. Then love the Holy Spirit because he's God. See, God gave you the Holy Spirit as a gift. The greatest gift the Holy Spirit gives is himself. The greatest gift that he gives us is the greatest gift is knowing the Holy Spirit. The greater gift is fellowship with the Spirit. Don't pray that he give you power. Pray that you will be introduced to the Holy Spirit. And there's a whole lot of people who call themselves Pentecostal but have no relationship with the Holy Spirit. You speak in tongues. Great. That's the Spirit speaking from you. But are you even talking to the Holy Spirit? Have you set a chair for him in your prayer time? The personality of the Holy Spirit is he has a mind, a will, and emotions. His, the will of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, and all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them each as he determines. He has a will. The Holy Spirit has a will. He will lead you. He has a desire for your life. But you got to ask him. How many times I've sat with God and you say, well, how does that look? It, it, it looks very simple. Like... There, there was one time, I'm, I'm just driving in my minivan, this back when my kids were small, and I'm driving in my minivan, and I'm talking to God about striking someone in our church with lightning. And the, and the funny thing is, you think I'm being evangelistic when I say that. I wasn't. I really wanted her struck with lightning, right? Because she made me mad, and she was, she's just a bad person. Of course, I didn't do anything, right? How many know what I'm talking about? Because I'm perfect. I didn't do any. And so I'm telling them, and I'm like, Lord, you need to take care of her. You know, I'm doing this for you. And, 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 and I'm giving them, and, and I'm driving right along Lake Michigan, just driving down Lake Michigan, right on, on the beach is right, and I'm driving. And I go to turn into where my house is. And uh, as I go to make the turn, the Holy Spirit says this, okay, James, I'll do that because you asked, but then I'm going to have to do it to you. I was like, immediately changed how, okay, Holy Spirit, let's, let's stop for a moment and reconsider what I asked, right? Because the Holy Spirit will talk. You know, um, we were um, in Bethlehem, and, and I could go on and on about some of the things that happened this last week. I, had, I was there in October on a tour. This was purely work. We went to film at all of these that locations. So it was work, but... Um, we, were, we had a guide in Bethlehem who was a Jew, but from Palestine. She's Palestinian Christian. Okay? She's total Jewish. There before Israel became Israel. She's, but it was Palestine, so she was Palestinian, and she was a Christian. And she made this comment. She said, we're in the shepherd's field. And she said, you know, the shepherds, what most people don't know is the shepherd would put their sheep in the cave, all their sheep in the cave. And she goes, the question you're asking is how did they know which sheep were theirs? Like what sheep were theirs? And they said the sheep knew their voice. So they, they would say something and whistle and they would know it. And the sheep would say, well, see you, Bob. I got to go. And they would separate themselves, the wheat from the tares, separate themselves because they knew the voice of God. Listen, 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 please listen. You can't actually, Christian means follower of Christ, right? We all agree on that? You can't actually follow Christ if you don't know his voice. 
So when people say, I never hear the voice of God or I never hear from God, I'm like, dear Lord, get saved. Because you can't follow him if you don't hear his voice or you don't know that it's his voice. Now, listen, listen, listen to this. This will, this will really, there are a lot of people that are hearing voices that they think is God, but it's Satan. It's his demons. Anytime you hear a voice that tears you down or attacks you and tells you all that you're doing wrong, you think that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. What? Why do I say that? Because who took responsibility to transform your life? The Holy Spirit. So if something comes to you and says, you're behaving wrong, you're bad, you better get your act together, how, that can't be God. Because he said, that's my responsibility. Your responsibility is obey to go where I tell you to go. My responsibility is to transform you from the inside out. We think it's God, so we start, well, the Lord. Or when, when th this is how dysfunctional our relationship with God can be, and it's why we don't have one. Is the only time we think he talks to us is when he tells us what we're doing wrong or what we need to be doing. Now, can you imagine being married to that? And this is supposed to be a more intimate, closer relationship than our own spouse. And yet the only time God tells us, talks to us is when he tells us what we're not doing right or what we should be doing. Are you with me? L listen, listen to me. We're way more religious than we realize. And it's because we've allowed the voice of the Holy Spirit to be replaced with the, Holy, with the voice of the enemy. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans 8, 27, he says, And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what it is yet to come. And then lastly, there's the emotions of the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you're, you were sealed for the day of redemption. There is a grieving that occurs with the Holy Spirit. And you say, yeah, I know what it is. It's when you break the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You, want, you know how you grieve the Holy Spirit? You hurt people. Do you really realize this is a lot less? Of, we weren't created for the Ten Commandments. I hope you know that. We weren't created for the laws of God. We were created for relationship. This always comes back to relationship. Some of us are more willing to defend the commandments than we are people. Grace should never make us think we're immune to grieving the Holy Spirit, however. Well, I'm under grace. You'll be under a dump truck pretty quick. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, 2 to 4, here's what it says. And, and it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then 
There appeared to them divided tongues as fire, and one sat on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice the attitude of expectation. There was this attitude of expectation. Actually, uh, people say, yeah, they didn't know it was going to happen. They, they were pretty sure something was going to take place on Pentecost. Any of the people that look at that said they, they knew something was going to happen at that feast. They knew the importance of it. But there's a lot of Christians that have this attitude that God is, is holding out on us. And I just want to tell you, God is not holding out on you. God is giving you every single blessing you can handle, your foundation can handle in this moment. He's not holding back things from you. Everything your character and maturity can handle, you're experiencing the blessing of that right now. And as you grow, you're just going to see that blessing increase. You know, my wife, who's sitting right over here, um, this is how important I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Um, I grew up, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at 12. And uh, spoke in tongues immediately from that point. It changed my life. And uh, so when, when I went to North Central... Uh, I met my wife, who was by far the best-looking woman I had ever seen in my life. I mean, she w I'm going to use this word, and you're not going to like it because I'm sexually objectifying my wife, but she was hot. <laughs> it was okay in the 90s to say that. Now, you know, be crucified. But she was, she was amazing, right, smoking. And, uh, and, I, and I, I mean, I knew two weeks after I met her I was going to marry this woman, right? And then I found out she didn't believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was that important. And I told her this, and she'll, she'll tell you this. I told her, I can't marry you if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You think I'm just playing right now? I'm serious. I've known this my whole... I, she, was, she was everything I wanted in a wife, but I couldn't marry her. Because she was, and she, that made her angry, right? Because she got, she got a pretty smoking husband. You know, no, no. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm just playing. Anyway, the, uh, anyway so, so, she, so she we went away, and, um, and we, we kind of fought over that for a while. And she went to chapel, and uh, the Holy Spirit, there, well, there was this light that shined in the chapel. And this is the old chapel before they did all that stuff to it. And it was shining on this person in their 40s that she had never seen before. And the Holy Spirit told her, you need to pray for that person. And she was like, no, I'm not doing that. No way. She just, I'm going to stay in the shadows. I'm not going to do that. Uh, after the service was done in chapel, she gets up to leave. And that person is standing in the way of the door. And as she's walking toward the person, the Holy Spirit says to her, you need to pray for her. And, of course, she walks around the woman. She goes to the mailroom, and she's coming into the mailroom, and that woman's there. And the Holy Spirit says, you need to pray for that woman. She walks around, goes in the mailroom. She's coming out of the mailroom, and the woman is standing in the public area. Now, God had tried to do it privately three times. She's now in a public area where people are passing, and the woman is standing there. And she walks up, and she says, the Holy Spirit says to her, you need to pray for that woman. And she goes to walk around the woman, and the woman grabs her arm and says, ma'am, you're supposed to pray for me. God's a good God. And, and I'm not saying that just because she got the Holy Spirit, but I got a wife. Because he did not let her off the hook, right? 
And, and so she put her books down. She went up, grabbed the hands of the woman, and she began to pray in English. And the woman stopped her and says, not in English language, in your spirit language. And she began to pray, and the Holy Spirit came up, and she began speaking uh, in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave her utterance. And I got married. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Second Corinthians 13 through 13 and 4 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. L look at it again. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy The greatest gift he's given you is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. See, as believers... God's norm is for us to have a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That we are daily, uh, Mark Buntain used to pray in tongues, just speak. When he was not in the conversation, he would be praying in the Spirit. He had a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship is the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you walk in grace. He wants you to fellowship with you more than you want to fellowship with him. And it says, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. That means with you all. That means everyone. People who say that's a gift for just a few. Friend, is God's love for just a few? Is God's grace for just a few? Then why would we think the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is just for a few? It is for everyone. Fellowship means companionship and sharing together. I personally think, as does he, that the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person. He's already running around in the Spirit. Praise the Lord. They're starting him young. He's like, praise God. I personally think that the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person in the church. Imagine that you, you didn't have a car and you needed a ride with someone, right, to go to work. And every morning they come to you. They bring you McDonald's, you get in a car, you open your McDonald's, and that driver never, tell, never says hello, never says good morning, never greets you, never talks to you, and then at the end, and then at the end of the day when he takes you home, never says hello, never asks you how the day went, never acknowledge your presence in the car. How long would you ride with that person? Some of you are thinking, I'm an introvert. That would be my ideal situation. <laughs> All right? That is not, the Holy Spirit is in your car. From the time your peepers open up in the morning to the time they close at night, the Holy Spirit's there. Oh, yeah, and he's there at night. So that when you pray, have you ever done this? Have you ever had to get up early? Whenever I have to get up early when I'm fasting, I say, Holy Spirit, wake me up by 630. Don't let me over. He wakes you up at 629. Just to show you it wasn't the alarm that woke you up. To let you know that even while you sleep, the Holy Spirit's looking at you like this. <laughs> Acts 20, 22 says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that the prisons and hardships are facing me. There's a partnership. There's, there's participation with God. God doesn't use his children. Can you stop praying this? Can you stop praying this? God use me. God doesn't use people. He participates with them. If, if I said, I need to use you, 
I need to use you. How dysfunctional is that? And when the world listens to the way we talk, no wonder they want no part of it. I don't want some God I can't see to use me. No, but I do want a divine God to work with me. You know, God participates. He always causes us to participate with what he's doing. You know, Steve Green, how many know who Steve Green is? Right, he's this singer from, from the 80s, right? He had this great voice, and one Sunday he had just sung. He came off the stage, and some guy said, man, you did amazing. And the guy said, well, it was all God. He goes, well, it wasn't that good. <laughs> the reality is we work with God. It's not all God, because God doesn't want to take credit for some of the stuff we do and call it for the kingdom. Serious. There's a close, but he wants this close associate. Can I just say that in case I don't get to this? There are some people, they struggle with the Holy Spirit because they tie it back to this person who is really weird under the Holy Spirit, like they were weird. Listen, look at, who, look at the context. They were weird before the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and now they get baptized, they're still weird, but it's not the Holy Spirit's fault. Right? Stop. He's like, listen, stop blaming me for that. That's God's department. He created them. All right? He wants a close mutual association. Who do, you, who do you like to flock around? Who do you like to flock around? People who like to be associated with you. People who aren't ashamed that you are closely associated with the Holy Spirit. If we all will acknowledge the Holy Spirit, he enjoys being around us. He also wants intimacy with us. He wants to be intimate with us. Now, I want to talk about tongues. And uh, I'm going to give you what it is and some of the arguments about it. But speaking in tongues, what is it? One, it's the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't mean you'll have... In fact, I just talked to Glenn Menzies, who was here this weekend, because it was in his class he said something his father had said. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues, but you won't. The, the reality is, it is the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, it may take a little bit of time. It may be a week or two after the baptism, but you're going to get it. And there's some things that can hold us back, keep us back from speaking in tongues. But it is something that the Lord wants you to walk in. Number two, here's number two. Believers, it's your native language. It is the language of heaven. People wonder what will speak in heaven. It will be tongues. The kingdom of God on earth is the kingdom of God. And when you speak in tongues, you're speaking the native language of the kingdom of God. Number three, it's your heavenly words. Heavenly words broadcast life. How many have heard messages on words? I preach a series every two or three years on words. Your words have an incredible impact on your future. Right? Well, what if your words are heavenly words? What are you broadcasting into your future when you begin to speak in a perfect language, when you begin to pray in tongues? In fact, Gordon Anderson, who is a former president of North Central University, used to say, it was only a few minutes I used to pray in tongues. Now that I've grown older in my faith, I almost always pray in tongues. I would agree. Here are the arguments against speaking in tongues. One, baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is not for today. It's not the dispensation for today. 
Maybe because they think it's weird or strange, and and I've already told you that. Uh, If they're weird, they're weird, right? But the Holy Spirit does something in us that's incredible, and, and, and we all need that baptism. Here's, it is for today. It's, there's a shift, and I talked to you about the dispensation and, and how there's a shift. And, and we are the New Testament church, and what was necessary for then is still necessary today for our lives, right? And by the way, the church that is prevalent, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is evident in, is the only church growing around the world. It's only church growing around the world. Second, tongues was only for preaching the gospel to people. That's interesting. Because the Bible says it was a heavenly language, a language lost at the Tower of Babel that had a common language that was restored. Zephaniah 3.9 says, For then I will restore to the people a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. It wasn't to preach the gospel. It was to serve him in one accord. It's tied to unity. Uh, Zephaniah goes on in the message. It says it like this. In the end, I will turn things around for people. I will give them a language, undistorted, unpolluted words to address God and worship and united to serve me with their shoulders to the wheel. Here's number three. Tongues needs to be spoken in an earthly language. Tongues needs to be, and this is one of the main arguments you'll hear about this. I want to read this to you. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galilean? Notice the word that you speak, Galilean. They use the word speak, Galileans. And how is it that we say the word? Each in our own language, which we were born. And then later it says in verse 11, we what? Them speaking in our own tongue, the wonderful works of the Spirit. I want to give you two. One, the believer spoke in the language. First, here's a story. Prayer meeting. This is here in Minnesota. We're having a prayer meeting at a Richfield campus. And uh, we have, Richfield's got, um, uh, how many people we have now? I can't remember the number. Man, that's what 50 does to you. It's terrible. Uh, I think it's 50 different nations. Is it 50 or 60? Different nations that attend Bethel's Rock. And so it's not uncommon to have people from all over the world that will come to a prayer meeting. There'll be a, well, there were two Kenyan guys, a doctor, cardiologist from Kenya, and uh, a banker, financial guy from Kenya. And they were there. Very intelligent men. And, uh, and then another man, they were praying, and this one guy gives this message in tongues, right? He, he just prays it out. Prayer meeting ends. Those two guys leave, and then they turn around and come back. And they go up to the guy that gave that message in tongues, and they said, have you been to Kenya? He said, no. He says, do you know how to speak? What's the language in, in Kenya? Um, Swahili. And he goes, uh, no. He goes, you were speaking in perfect Swahili. And then told them what he said. Pretty amazing, right? Here's the second thing. And this is the thing that goes to the heart of the argument. Look at that verse again in 5 and 8. It says, everyone heard them speak in their own language. It never once says they spoke in their language. It says the people heard 
them in their language. Isn't that interesting? Now let me give you another story of a man who did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He attends our Farmington campus, went to a retreat. Sunday morning of that retreat, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, it's called the Kairos retreat that we do. Um, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit so much so they have to carry him out of the room on a luggage cart. He's like, this is better than any drug I have ever done, right? I mean, he was like, wow. I mean, they literally, he couldn't walk. He kept going up, I love you, man. I mean, he was like plastered in the Holy Spirit, right? You're like, I'd hope that never happens to me. Well, only because you don't know what he, like he was resistant to it. And, and, but he said, because I said, if it's from God, let him come. And he did, right? So his son and his wife take him home. When he gets home, his daughter, who's a children's pastor at a church in New Prague, is in her car talking on the phone to someone. He can't go in the house. He stumbles to her car, gets in the back seat, puts his hands on her, and starts praying in tongues over her, which is freaking her out. And she's on the phone with somebody, okay? So she sh sets the phone down, and he just keeps going. So she hangs up on him. He finishes. He goes into the house. She calls the guy back. Are you all with me? You all understand what's going on? She says, hey, I'm sure that was weird. My, my dad went to this retreat, something I don't even know what happened to him, but he was speaking this, whatever that was, I don't know, but he was speaking that. I think some, and the guy goes, what do you mean? She goes, you didn't hear that? And he goes, I heard him in English. And then he told her everything he was saying while he was speaking over her. Now imagine how many people were there on the day of Pentecost, and they're praying in tongues. They weren't speaking everybody's language at the same time. You see, there's a gift of tongues and interpretation, right? Even when you're in heaven speaking in tongues, there will be this ability to hear what they're saying and understanding. You don't need to know the language, you just need to understand what's being said, how many think, that sounds like a good thing for my marriage. I think our communication thing would probably work out. I need an interpretation sometimes in my marriage, right? Here's the fourth thing. Tongues is a gift that only a few people have. The books of Acts says in all six occasions that people got tongues with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number five, tongues should always have an inter interpretation. Yes and no. There's praying in tongues. There's praying in tongues. And I, I, I don't have time, but I'm going to try to get right to the end of this, and then we're going to we'll open it up for prayer but there's praying in tongues where we're praying in tongues we're communicating to God he doesn't need an interpreter right you're praying in tongues to God it doesn't matter that no one understands he doesn't even now listen this this is I'm going to give I'm, I'm going to mix this in real quick the ministry of tongues there was a couple she had had an affair on him and uh, the Holy Spirit really showed me this in this situation. And she was feeling guilt and shame and, and condemnation. She had been raised in the church and she had had this affair. And she came over to her home and we're praying over her. And I began praying in tongues over her. And the Lord showed me a vision that while I was praying in tongues over her, I was washing her in the word of God. No one needed to know what I was praying, nor would I have had understand how to pray for that person 
But I said, I'm just going to pray in tongues over you. And now every time someone goes through, they feel deep shame and guilt. I just say, you know what? You don't need to understand what I'm saying. But what I'm about to do is wash you in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to speak life over you. Because what is it? A heavenly language, which makes it a life language. It takes it out of your knowledge and puts it in the court of your spirit. And you begin praying and ministering. And there are some things where you don't know how to pray, just pray in tongues. And then the Holy Spirit would drop something in English she needed to know. And I would stop and I would say this. And then I'd pray that and I'd go back to tongues. And after it was done, there was this cleansing that had occurred. The ministry of the Holy Spirit through me, through your mouth. Words have the power to bring life and death. And when you speak the words of the Holy Spirit, you're speaking incredible life, concentrated life. So when we pray, we pray perfect prayers in tongues. We're praying perfect prayer. Pursue love, desire spiritual bliss, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God, but no one understands him. However, the spirit he speaks mysteries. Then in Romans 6, 26, is in the same way, spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Uh, so the Holy Spirit prays perfect prayers for us when we pray in tongues, which is why Gordon said that he would pray in tongues because he could not pray. Because when you pray in English, you're praying out of your own will and desire. When you pray out of tongues, you're praying out of the perfect place of your, 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 who you are. And then the gift of tongues is different. So that is the prayer. When I'm praying, it's the language of heaven. The gift of tongues is when God speaks to me or to a body and there must be an interpretation so that they understand it. I got one minute. So that they understand it. Does that make sense? Okay. I would love to go on to the benefits and, and all that because it builds you up. It's perfect prayer. It empowers for ministry and, and all of that. And I actually have handouts, but they're in my car because I forgot to bring them. I, I, I will bring them in there. They're in the truck. We'll bring them in here. Okay. So why don't you stand? Uh, it's 212 when I got to hand this over to you like right now. Three minutes. Three minutes? Okay. Everyone, will you stand? Okay, now how many have the, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues? Raise your hand. Okay, now can we do that right now? And if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, nobody needs to lay hands on you. Nobody says you just have to ask. Ask and you shall knock and he'll open the door. Seek and that's a promise of God. He's a promise keeping God. Ready? So right now, everyone, let's just start praying in tongues.